Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. Do you want to know how to win clients? Unleash the creative. I, I th- th- This guy had me at hello when he said unleash the creative. He is a LinkedIn content consultant, social media marketing. You can find him on LinkedIn at Alex B. Sheridan, S-H-E-R-I-D-A-N. But you can find him right here, right now on the Intentional Encourage podcast. Alex, what's good today, man? What's up, brother? Doing well, man. How about yourself? Another day, another podcast, man. I'm telling <laughs> you, it's uh, it, it's 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 the uh, it's the circle of life, as the song once said. Hey, I want to go here. You and I were talking just a couple minutes before we we started recording around COVID nineteen. I've been asking folks this as we record this during the pandemic. I want to ask you this, and I'll ask you later a similar type question later in in, in the podcast. But what's one thing that, that COVID-19 has taught you, either taught you or reminded you, that you kind of had either not realized or you kind of filed away, it, That's the things that have happened in the last year? Man, I think the number one thing, I mean, there's a lot of things, but I think first and foremost, gratitude, <laughs> appreciating the things that we had before that we all just took for granted. And I think that's the case in a lot of things, right? When we get sick, whether it's, you know, the flu or the cold or something like that, we that's when we really appreciate being healthy. We're like, man, if I was just like healthy again, if I could just feel yeah. 100% again, we're like, if I anything, come on. And it's the same thing when COVID happened. It was like everything shut down. You know, we, we couldn't visit certain family members. We couldn't go and do certain things. We were restricted big time. We understood why it made sense, but it, it just gave me a whole new perspective on like, man, you got to appreciate that. And you just never know how long you have on this planet anyways and what could happen. I mean, it could have been a deadly virus. I mean, I know it, it was deadly to a certain degree, but it could have been deadly for a wide variety of age groups and population. Yeah. And so it could have been even something far worse than what it was. So I think for me, just gratitude, you know, was, was a big one. And then also just the power of building a digital brand, the power of social media, the power of podcasting, the power of having a voice, the uh, power of building a brand, when really you can build businesses now, six-figure business, seven, eight, nine-figure businesses from the power, from the luxury of your home. You know, you don't need to leave anymore. We've got everything sort of at our fingertips. And so uh, those are probably the, the two things that come to my mind. Well, and, and again, when you talk about everybody handles this thing differently, everybody, you know, what we experienced in West Virginia, you guys may or may not have experienced in, in the Chicagoland area. And, and vice versa, what was the city, take me in your perspective through your eyes, what, what your city was like mm-hmm. for the last several months? Because again, we have 1.8 million people in this whole state that I live in. Yeah. You guys have a burg that's got probably 2 million people in it. <laughs> and, and so that the vast difference between West Virginia and the Chicagoland, Take yeah. me, kind of give me a sense from your perspective, what things were like in, in, in the city yep. around this pandemic. Yeah, it's crazy, man, because I was at the time when it first COVID first hit, 
um, I just sort of launched my business, Impacts Marketing, social media marketing. And um, I was working for my full-time job. I was working uh, at least one, sometimes more uh, days of the week in the city, like downtown uh, in the heart of Chicago. And I would take the train down there. I'd ride the Metro in and I'd Uber around and stuff to get to my different meetings. My, all my clients were there or most of them. And so I remember I was on an Uber back to the train station, back from a client, visiting a client. And I remember there was lots of talks on this like COVID-19 thing, but we didn't, we had no clue what it was going to be like, you know? Yeah. Well, that was a Thursday. I never, we never, I never came back to the office or went to see those clients again or never returned back to that company, uh, the building, the physical building, at least because I, I later left my job and started this business full time. But um, everything, the next, it was almost like the next day. We were talking about, oh, we might be work from home for a couple weeks. And I remember thinking, you think we'll be work from home for like two weeks? And the, one of the guys in the office was like, yeah, I think so, man. I'm like, that's crazy. I can't imagine that, you know, because we were such a, our company was such a like hands-on and in front of people, shaking hands, relationships. That's how the type of company that, that it was that I worked for. Yeah. So we just wouldn't be there for an extended period of time. It was kind of crazy. But, but it, I mean, it just, everything shut down, man. It was just like, you know, you instantly talking about, it didn't happen overnight, but instantly pretty much we were wearing masks, you know, going to the grocery store, the restaurants soon after that cl all closed down. I mean, they got crushed, man. And they all had to adapt. They had to find, you know, outside extended outside seating. They had to change the, how they served their customers, you know? And then I saw a lot of companies that were just like, were, they were not used to working from home situations. So leaders had to adapt to how do we manage and lead our people now that they're at home and not we're not seeing them. And how do you build relationships over a Zoom call, you know? So it was just like, it was just like, it became almost a whole new world overnight. It was really kind of wild, man. Well, and, and I'll tell you this, and, and, and something you said there about, you know, I took, I took the, 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 I took the Metro in or the subway in, got an Uber, went to see... And then literally in 24 hours, that was done. I mean, it was like, and, and yeah. same thing happened with us. I, I, I was field-based and literally got an email, which Fridays was our quote unquote office day at home. It's like, yeah, we're not going out next week and we don't know when we're going back out. And yeah. it's been a year later and we're, we're still not out. I got to ask you this. You started a business in the pandemic. I thought like everything was supposed to shut down and we were just supposed to, you know, brace for impact and things like that. And here you go and start your own company in the midst of a pandemic. So I got a couple questions to frame around that. Was it, was it a trep? Was there any trepidation? How, how were you kind of plowing ahead or deciding to start it? And then, kind of what did you learn from starting a company in a pandemic? I mean, dude, dude, that's not supposed to happen, right? I mean, you know, you're supposed to just kind of like, like I said a minute ago, you're supposed yes, to get a brace for impact. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I'm, I'm all about the opposite of playing it safe. I believe in being bold and taking risks, taking calculated risks, but, um, but going for it, you have to. And I think sometimes in the midst of chaos is the best time to actually go for something. Like that actually is the best time because for me, I felt like in my life, I was going through a separation with my ex. Um, I was, I had, I had taken over a new territory for my job. So I was trying to build up something from the ground up. It was taking longer than we thought. Um, it was just, it was a whole new world for me, a whole new skill set to learn in terms of the, the industry that I was in now. And, um, and then boom, COVID happened. I mean, I had started the business really like a couple months before, you know, really COVID happened. So it wasn't like COVID happened. I started the business. 
but the business was all digital. The business was, you know, social media, uh, winning clients on LinkedIn, creating video content so people could see you without having to be there. It kind of lended itself perfect to when COVID happened. It was actually sort of a blessing in disguise for some, for a lot of businesses. And obviously for some, it, it absolutely destroyed them. And I feel terrible for that. But, but you know yeah. what, Alex, forgive me for jumping in here, but yeah. you hit on something really key there. Okay. You, you had started your company before COVID really hit. And when a lot of people were looking for things to shelter and be secure in was the time that you really flipped and said, okay, for me, this is the time for me to accelerate the plan yes. of attack. You said something, and I love what you said there, in the midst of chaos is often the best time to start something. Mm -hmm. So so take me through the things that you had to kind of get together. Because, again, when I think when, – when I hear a statement like that, it's like you bring all of this – it's like – you and I were talking a little bit before we started – it's almost like a quarterback being in the pocket. And I love sports, so I'm going to use a sports analogy. The quarterback is in the pocket, and everything around them is chaotic, right? You got the offensive linemen that are trying to block. You got receivers running. You got defensive backs that are covering and linebackers. And the quarterback has to decide in that three seconds of all this stuff going on around them where they're going to deliver the ball or or put it to be the, the most successful. How did you stay calm when everything around you was chaotic? Because the way I looked at it was there's so much uncertainty. And so I thought starting this business is a little bit uncertain. I mean, I had my full-time job. So for me, it wasn't like a massive risk. I wasn't like, all right, I'm going to quit and go for it. I did quit, but it wasn't until July later that year. But for me, I'm like, man, things are crazy. Things are uncertain. You know, thing I'm going through a lot in my personal life. My work's changing. COVID's happening. I'm like, now's the best time. Now's the absolute best time because it's already nuts. It's just what's I'm almost like my back's against the wall, anyways. I might as well come out swinging and go for what I really want because I didn't even know if my I didn't know what was going to happen to our company. I mean, our company kind of laid up. We did lay off quite a few people. Luckily, mine was not one of them, and in most of the people I worked with worked with at the time were not impacted um, primarily, but. I didn't know we could have lost our jobs. Things could have been shifted around. I mean, who the pandemic could have got worse and worse and worse. And we could have been, went through a global great depression. I mean, I was like, Hey man, if there's a time to go for it, it's now. Cause if things are going to crash, what, what better time to build when things are already crashed? Yeah. We all got to rise. So we got to rise back up. So yeah, I, mean, I've, I feel like I've always, you know, the times of the toughest times in my life, I feel like have been the, the biggest moments of inspiration for me. They've been the moments where I've said, you know what? Now's the time, man. Your back's against the wall. You've lost some things. You're kind of rebuilding your life anyways. You might as well go for that dream, that that what you wanted out of life. You might as well try to go get that, the life that you wanted to create. Man, I love what you said there. I, I got to go back. We got we to gotta hit the rewind and hit that. The toughest times in your life have been the greatest sources of inspiration and, and, and motivation. Man, that is so good. That is so powerful. Alex, let's step aside, take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about social media in in and and a lot of the things that you're doing around it and the power of social media to help build your brand. And then we'll get into your story. Come back with us here on the Intentional Encourager podcast in just a moment. Mm -hmm. 
Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you as a business owner can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Alex, I want to park on something here for a minute. Yeah. A lot of people... This is the problem I have with social media. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to lay the cards out on the table. Okay. <laughs> the problem I have with social media is, is twofold. I see a lot of people that say, that, that use social media just to, to kind of go, Hey, look at what I'm doing. Look at what I've got. You know, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. That's one problem I have because again, I'm like, yeah, but what you're showing on social media is not really who you are, or what you are, things like that. But the second problem that I have with social media is, and this is where I want to get your perspective. It seems like a lot of people want to collect connections instead of building relationships. How does a person do social media correctly Yeah, in your perspective? Dude, that's something I'm super passionate about. Yeah. Are we, are we waiting to go live for that? No, we're, we, we're, we are, we are on and, and moving. Oh, man. I thought we yeah. were on a commercial break or something. Yeah, no, we're, we're, no, we're into it. No, and that's okay. my, and that's my fault. I should have led you back in. Listen, error on the host, e-host here. <laughs> no worries, man. I, I mean, I'm the, that subject is something that I'm really, really passionate about. The fact that you, when you hop on social media and here's here's what happens. Like if you want to know what actually happens, Brian. Yeah, please. I'd, I'd, I'd love to know your perspective on this. That. Is, this is how people think. And I get it. It's sort of in our human nature to figure out, okay, how can I figure out this? How can I solve this problem as, as fast as I possibly can with exerting as, as little effort as I possibly can, right? The problem is you can't you can't fast track or cut corners around building relationships around building an actual community. You just can't. So people get on social media and they're like, all right, I'm going to automate and blast out 70 messages a day. I'm going to try to post and then do nothing with it and just hope everyone comes running to me. I'm not going to go out there and engage on other people's posts. I'm not going to put in the effort to try to send personalized messages to people and video DMs and actually take the conversations offline, which is where the real relationships and the real business actually happens anyways. So people just try to, they, again, they try to cut the corners, man. They try to like, how can I make this machine that's just going to like run for me? And there are certain things that you can do. There are certain things that you can outsource and certain things you can automate. And there are certain things where it makes sense for it's you talking to the masses but there's certain things that you just have to actually take the human approach. You have to be a human being. There's no, you can't cut the corners on it. I'm jotting this down. You have to be a human being Yeah. on social media because yeah. here's what I see. Okay. And, and I, I believe in being 
listen, my, my thing is I think you should care about people. And here's what I mean by care, consistent, authentic, relatable, and encouraging C A R E. Okay. But yet I get on certain platforms and people have fake handles They'll get on there and they're like, well, they'll, they'll put an avatar on there. I'm like, why do you want to hide from the world who you really are? Mm -hmm. And that's why I love a platform like LinkedIn. And it's my go-to platform because what you see is what you get. Right. And, and so, you know, I, I'm just curious in your experience, why do people tend to hide behind avatars and, and, and have pseudonyms or have like, like uh, alter egos or, or false identities around their social media presence? You know, I, I don't see a lot of the false. I mean, I, maybe I've run into it, but I don't dive into it enough. I don't see it enough. But in terms of the avatar, I, I just think a lot of it, like in, in even putting out content, I think a lot of people are just scared to put themselves out there. They're sort of scared to show their face because once you put yourself out there, <laughs> you're open for criticism. You're open for, hey, I don't agree with that. Hey, uh, did you see John's video about when he was talking about this, this, and this? Like, you know, I went through all that stuff too, where people see your videos. Well, what's Alex doing? Posting videos on LinkedIn. Why is he doing this? Why is he doing that? You know? Yeah. So that's when your insecurities start showing, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, what if someone doesn't like it? What if the video doesn't do well? What if I don't make it? Uh, what if I don't find success on social media? What if I put something out and it gets, you know, no likes in the, the next three hours, what's going to happen then? And yeah, so what yeah. if I'm rejected? So it's really just all these basic, you know, human insecurities that we all have and these survival instincts that kind of kick in. And we were just conditioned from a primitive brain mindset to stay safe and contract and just yeah. let's, let's stay safe. Let's guard our food. Let's keep our family and tribe safe and watch out. There might be a bear in the woods and there might be another tribe that's going to attack yeah. us. So we got to prepare for that. A lot of people are still stuck in that same mindset when it's actually sort of the reverse now where people need to open up and say, let's actually talk to the other tribe. Let's not worry about the bear that's going to jump out because there's not one to even jump out where we're at now. You know, and so I think people have to remember to sort of switch that that mindset around. See, you just adequately described, you beautifully described West Virginia. We attack each other and, and there's <laughs> bears in the wilderness, man. You, you have, in you some have, cases, it still applies. <laughs> I know, right, man? I know, exactly. Well, listen, dude, when I, when, and you and I were supposed to have this conversation a couple of weeks ago, and, and we didn't have power, you know, we have a whole home generator, but yeah. a lot of people around me didn't have power for like a week. And I seriously thought I was going to have to stand at the door with a torch and pitchfork and just keep people away from, you know, cause they would see the lights on like that guy's got power. Yeah, yeah. yeah We're going to go attack, you know, <laughs> and things like that. I, I, I swear. I thought I was like, man, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, to gun up here and, and just protect myself. I want to, I want to go here for just a minute. This is something that I see too. And you're talking about putting out posts and what if people disagree and things like that. And man, what bothers me to some degree is, and, and I, I love how we're having this conversation because this is your world. I'm picking into your and tapping into your expertise. So forgive me if I'm, I just, I'm, I'm trying, I want to understand. And you're a great person to ask this too. Why do you think we've lost the ability to have respectful decent conversations on social media, even when we disagree with the other person's stance. Yeah. I, you know, and, and to be fair on, on LinkedIn, you know, maybe it's just the community that I'm exposed to, but 
I really, I mean, if you go to Facebook, I think it, there's a lot of things happening on Facebook in terms of discussions. Hundred percent, hundred percent on Facebook, and that's one of the reasons I'm not. The other reason is the organic reach is just absolutely terrible right now. But um, on LinkedIn, I, I really see a lot of respectful conversations. But I mean, if you're asking the reason that people get fired up and it gets taken out of, uh, it gets out of out of control, and people turn a what should be a sensible conversation into an emotional fire charged, you know, now we're arguing and name calling. I I think again, it comes down to insecurities and people's ego. They can't let they can't just say, "Hey, we we disagree on this. No worries. Like this is my side. This is your side. If we." If we disagree, that's okay. Like we don't need to see eye to eye on everything. And I think when you let your ego get in the way and you're insecure about things, then you constantly feel like you got to prove somebody, prove to other people that you're right. I don't need to prove to anybody that I'm I'm right about what I think I'm right about. Right? I have my convictions. I have my values. I have the things that I believe in wholeheartedly. Do certain ideas and behaviors and things that I think are right or wrong change over time? Certainly, but my core values probably stay the same, right? Like caring about people, treating people with respect, um, unleashing your inner you and your potential, your career. Like I, I will always believe in those for the until the day I die, right? But yeah. there's certain things that I'll change my stance on, like platforms and ideas and positions, and that's perfectly fine to do. And as I do that, I don't need to, I don't need to to take into consideration that everyone needs to agree with me or like what I'm doing. They're not going to, I'm just worried about, you know, attracting the people that I feel like are part of my tribe, the people that I want to make an impact on. So yeah, I, th I think it just comes down to ego. People got it, you know, and sometimes I'm wrong and that's okay too. It's like, you got to be okay with being like, you know what? I was wrong about that. I thought well, it was this. Yeah. And a, yeah. And Alex, it's a lot of times how we present the information or how we present the side of the argument, because I, I have, I've messed up and, and people are like, well, I disagree with you. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I have to take a step back and go, what well, did I really present the argument or did I present the content yeah. in a way that was understandable universally? Because you're good. Yeah. Yep. That's put, that's you putting your ego aside to understand, you know, what happened and take ownership in the process, which is what I do too. Like, you know, yep. if, if you lose a sale or if something doesn't go your way, a con piece of content doesn't hit, I don't go, oh, that's bull crap. Why didn't the algorithm do this? Or why didn't that person buy or this or that? Or why did they say that? I just go, man, what did I miss the mark on there? Is there something I could learn from? And, and cool if there is, uh, either way, I'm going to move on. I'm not going to dwell about it. I'm not going to sit and regret of something that negative happened. I'm going to learn, I'm going to evaluate, and I'm going to move on. But that's that's removing your ego and just saying, hey, it's not about me real quick. Let me just understand the entire picture here and pull my takeaways, and then I move on. Well, here's something that I do. Even if I, if, even if I disagree with a post, this is just me. I will still validate that person, and I'll say, listen, I appreciate you bringing the discussion yeah. to the forefront. But here is a differing view. I, I don't normally see it that way because, Alex, I'll tell you this, and I've shared this with the audience. The reason the Intentional Encourager podcast exists is that I have tons of friends in sales. I grew up in sales, spent over 20 years in sales and sales management and customer engagement. There are a ton of podcasts that exist about sales. But I felt like that I, I'll support my friends that do that, I'll focus on doing a podcast on encouragement that's universal. 
and, and I'll do something else in that space because to me, when expert, when there's a ton of expertise, a lot of people are in certain situations they're, they're where they're, where they're feeling overwhelmed or scared or chaos. Like we were talking earlier, you know, encouragement is something that, that really resonates in those times when people are trying to hit you with expertise, you're just kind of like, I just want to know that there's, that I can breathe for a minute. Or I, I want to know that I can just, you know, that everything yeah. is going to, when I wake up tomorrow morning, things are going to be better than they were today. Like I'll share this with you as we record this. I, I got a call this morning from my wife, a, a good friend of mine. And I was just with him on Tuesday. Uh, him and his family lost everything in a fire this morning. And so when you think about total loss and you, and so when you think about it, you're like, man, you know, I'm not going to tell him, Hey man, you, here's 15 things you need to do with your insurance company. And when I see him, I'm going to put my arm around him and give him a hug and go, man, right. Are you okay? You know, are man, what, what, what do you need? You know, what, what can I do yes. for you? And so because, I didn't mean to pontificate there. Go ahead. I, I know well, you got something to, to add to that. It's a great point. I mean, you're, you meet emotion with emotion. You meet logic with logic. So exactly to your point, if someone's coming to you and they're upset and they've got something that emotionally triggered that person, you don't then just meet them with logic. Like here, here's three steps that you need to take. No, here's one strategy that's, it's like, they don't, they're not there. They're not ready to receive information like that. They need to be met with emotion. And once you work through those psychological type barriers, then you can get through some of the other logical type stuff. And the same way if someone's coming to you for, with some logical help, they, they're not on the emotional uh, side of things, then you need to meet them with logic. And sometimes there's some tactics and techniques and strategies you need to help them with. It's the same way when I help people create video content and market their business. Sometimes they've got these psychological hurdles. A lot of times they do. They're worried about getting on camera. They're worried about what people would say in their industry because they're in an industry where not everyone's putting out content. Shocker, yeah. right? And so they're like, oh, I'm just, you know, so I don't go tactically. I, I don't go in there like from an a uh, tactical or like a technical uh, perspective, I go in there and say, I'm like, Hey, Phil, you know, walk me through what's going on. Like, how are you feeling about this? And like, well, I'm just like worried about this and this and this. And I emotionally kind of walk them through and get them, walk them off the ledge so that they can start creating content. Then we can get to the tactical, the techniques, the strategies. But if I, if I don't meet emotion with emotion first, I can't get there. Yeah, it sounds good. Let's step aside, take a break back in a moment here on the intentional encourager podcast. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew, and he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger deeper and more powerful connector. You've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up, Kindle if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email 
and I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of people buy from people. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Back here on the Intentional Encourager podcast, and, and Alex shared, and my guest today, man, has just been dropping great wisdom and, and things. Alex, I would be remiss, though, in the time that we have left if we didn't get into your story, because I, I really want to dive in there. So in the next few minutes, you take me as far back as you want to go from point A to, to where we are today, and just kind of tell your story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I grew up in Springfield, Illinois. Um, I grew up, I have an older brother, a dad and mom, they're still together. My parents are retired. Um, and I, and I, and I had a normal childhood, I would say, uh, up until high school, I just was a rebel. <laughs> I just didn't fit into the normal. And I say this because this fits into why I do what I do today. I didn't fit into the normal type of kid, right? Like I didn't do well in school. I went to three different high schools. I was constantly in trouble, getting kicked out of school in trouble with the law, I just, I, re, I didn't have a great relationship with my parents that really impacted me because I, I deeply wanted a relationship with my dad and my dad wasn't the relationship type, at least at that time. And so I think that really hurt me in a lot of ways. I just didn't know, quite know it at the time, but I acted out and I was a terrible student and uh, I really just didn't have my things together. I would sit in math class and they would expect me to pay attention and solve algebra problems. And I was writing music and thinking of stories in my head. You know, and so, but I had this creativity that was kind of trapped inside me this entire time. I was a very creative kid. There was just no place or there was no platform. There was nobody telling me, Hey, if you're creative, like, let's, let's see, let's see if we can use your strengths. Let's see if we can tap in and unleash some of that creativity. There, there was nothing like that. And I think school systems need reform. They're missing the mark big time on creativity, yeah, yeah. on problem solving, on life skills, self-esteem, self-love, confidence. There's so finances. There's so many stuff they just completely miss the mark on. They send these kids out and they have no clue what's going on in real life. But anyways, so I finally get my stuff together. I go to college, you know, I, I, and I'm like, all right, I guess I'm not going to be a famous musician or rapper or whatever. And I'm like, all right, I just, I shelf all my creativity basically. And I'm like, I got to now fit the mold, which is what society wants me to be, which is I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to go get a corporate job and sales or business, whatever it is. And I'm going to work my way up and maybe one day be a CEO. And I took a speech class in college and I, I talked, I gave a speech for the very first time. And uh, it was like 15 people. It was nothing, nothing major, right? But I remember sitting up on there and I was like, man, this is, a, this is I, I just felt something while I was up on there. And I remember getting in my car and I was driving on the highway. I remember exactly where I was on the highway, the song that was playing everything. And I thought to myself, I'm going to speak to millions of people one day. Like I'm going to, I'm going to, I almost get choked up talking about it because it's like, I feel like it's going to happen. You know, I'm speaking to more and more people. And technically, if you think about LinkedIn, there's a million of people who've seen my content. So I actually already have. Well, tell me but, something. If you yeah. could go back and, and put your arm around college, Alex, and you could say, dude, I'm you from the future. Yeah. What's the one thing you think you How would you encourage yourself? Oh, man, that's a good question. I would have just said, so what I was doing, Brian, is like I was fighting so hard against the kid that I was that I basically like reinvented this person that wasn't even me. 
And that's actually the first time that I've actually thought about this now and said that out loud. But that's what I did. I was running so hard against the troublemaker, the creative kid that, you know, I wanted to solve problems and I was into sales, but it wasn't the legal kind of sales. Yeah. And, um, and so I was fighting so hard against that person because I feel like that person had let me down. I feel like that person had let my family down. And so I, I would have gone back and told that 20-year-old, 21, 22-year-old kid, dude, don't lose who you are use the creativity, use the innovation, use the, the kind of the craziness about you, your personality, your humor, all that, your music ability, use that stuff, but just keep it on a productive playing field. Use it in a positive way. You don't got to shelf your entire existence to become this corporate college kid or whoever the world thinks you need to be. Just tap into that stuff, man. There's a place for that. I just didn't, th I didn't think there was a place for it. See, my 20-year-old my, my son and I, we have a term for, for what you were talking about with the different kind of sales. We call it street pharmaceutical distribution. <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. We call it that too, yeah. Yeah, street, yeah. yeah. Street I told pharmacist. him, I said, I said listen, yeah. don't go into street pharmaceuticals. It's not a, not a good gig. For <laughs> not me. a good gig. Yeah, now that's... Now the stuff I was selling is legal anyway. So well, me... yeah, I mean, you know, there you go, man. There, there yeah. you go. But but no, I love what you said there about not losing who you are. Mm -hmm. And and, and you, you were talking and you said there was something inside of you that just came alive when you gave that speech. So take me on the trajectory. You said you, you just said something really powerful. You said, listen, I, I know where I was at on the highway. I could mm -hmm. take you to the song. You know, you, you could probably tell me what the weather was like that day. I mean, it, yeah. it had to be that that epiphany moment for you where everything came together. What happened after that, Alex? Yeah, it's funny, man. So I had that moment and I thought, I'm going to make a big impact on this world. I just thought, I just, I just was like, I'm going to make a difference while I'm here. Like, I'm going to speak to people. I'm going to speak to, I'm going to reach millions of people. I didn't know what, I just didn't know how or what it was going to be, but I knew that I had the ability and I knew I wanted to make a difference while I was here. I wanted to leave, yeah, I wanted to leave this earth better than I found it, you know, and one day have kids and be able to help them accomplish what they want to accomplish. But it's the ironic part after that, I finished my degree. And I, and I just didn't know how that was going to, I thought that was going to be me becoming a CEO of a company and then be able to lead people and make impacts that way. So I, I bounced around to a couple of different companies. I finally landed at a, at a multi-billion dollar staffing company where I was at for six years. Um, I found success pretty quickly there, worked my way up, got promoted a couple of times and uh, was making six figures, you know, having a good life. I have two daughters, seven and four. So I was taking care of them. And uh, I, I finally sort of had that moment when it was actually like when me again it going back to like i think the some of the best things come from some of the hardest times i separate was going through a separation with my ex and i just transitioned into a new territory brand new kind of almost like a new business that we were building up from scratch and it was just the toughest time ever a lot of personal things a lot of business things and it inspired me i thought back to that moment that voice that i had that like hey man whatever happened to you going on to do these things and to speak to the world and to inspire other people and to use that inner creative. I'm like, what, what happened to that? Cause it's like the way you're going, man, it's not, it's not the path to there. It's well, just not, not let me jump in. I got to jump in here. Yeah. When, when, when you're going through that personal time in your life, you mentioned your daughters were seven and four at the time you're trying to be a great dad. You're trying to, but you know, you're trying to, and I have to imagine, okay, I, I'm trying to, to paint a picture in my mind and, and for the listeners, you're trying to do everything you can to keep it in air quotes as normal as you can for your yes. girls. Yes. But the, you're going through um, 
a difficulty where, where it's like, man, this isn't going to work out with their mom and, and, yeah. and, and go through that. What, how were you able to keep your, how were you able to compartmentalize if you could, some of those things that you were dealing with, because you mentioned like, man, I was, I got promoted. I'm, I'm making great money. And, and I was just having a conversation with somebody a little bit ago, you know, life does not, not life doesn't say, listen, I'll hold on from eight to five while you go make, while you go make your money. And then at five Oh five, I'll just come back in and, and you have to deal with this. <laughs> right. How are you able to come to compartmentalize the things going on in your life? It was tough, man. It was tough. I mean, I, yeah, I definitely thought a lot about like my kids and being a good dad and I didn't, you know, I, luckily me and her mom are very positive. And so it's not like they were in a bad situation or a conflict, a heavy situation. Um, we made the best of it just didn't work out between the two of us and we're still cordial today. And so that's good because that's what matters most when you have a situation like that, the kids just don't want to be dragged, you know, drug into conflict. Um, so I kind of thought about that as, as part of the, the compartment. And then I thought about, uh, the business side of things and what does Alex B. Sheridan's future look like aside from the kids stuff and the family stuff. And I thought, man, I just, I'm not happy going down this corporate path. And I, I thought again to that, that voice and that opportunity that I thought I had to speak to the world and to make a difference while I was here. Not that I couldn't have done that to a certain extent at the company I was with, I could have, but not to the extent that I would have been happy with. And I really wasn't happy in the job. I really wasn't happy at the company so much, you know, it's a good company. I just wasn't, wasn't fulfilling to me. I wanted to be more creative. I wanted to build something myself. I wanted, you know, to put out content. I wanted to, you know, I just wanted to do a lot of things that I feel like I just didn't have the opportunity to do. So I took that as an opportunity to, to use that moment to build. I was going through hell and I was like, yeah. you know what, when it's the, when you're looking at ashes, it's like, it's time to rebuild. So you might as well rebuild the life that you want, not rebuild the life that somebody else wants for you. I got a couple more questions here, man. Yeah. And I, I want to be yeah, respectful good. of your time. And, good, and, and man, again, I, I appreciate your transparency because again, you, you go through these things and, and I'll share this with the audience as well too. You know, my wife and I, we've been married almost 25 years. It's been hard 25 years. And I, and I love my wife. We went through some really tough times and, and a couple of years ago, my now 20 year old son came to us and he said, you know what? Because he was dealing with some issues and things like that. And he was like, when you two were fighting, when I was a kid, man, that, that just rocked me at times. And my wife and I both looked at each other like, man, if we could just go back and just not do those things, if we had known what we know now, yeah. then we wouldn't, we wouldn't have done those things. I got to think though, man. And, and I love what you said about, the cordiality between you and your ex and, and making sure that everything was good. What do you think you, when, when, when your daughters are old enough to really understand it, what do you think will be the lesson you share with them when they say, Hey, I remember when you and mom were going through this, what do you think the lesson will be that you, that you share with your daughters around that time? Such a great question, man. Um, the lesson that I continue to share, you know, my, my oldest is seven. So she, she's aware of more things than my four-year-old just kind of grew up us being separated. So she won't remember any of it. My five, my seven-year-old remembers some things. Your four-year-old is, I can, your four-year-old's probably going to be like the kids in, in Talladega nights where they just like start screaming two Christmases, you know, like that, <laughs> yeah, you <exactly>. know? <laughs> yeah, four when you count grandparents and stuff. You know? Oh yeah, dude. It's, it's like, 
yeah, it's yeah. like compiling cash and prize, like being <laughs> on a game show perpetually, yeah. man. Yeah. No, I, I think um, what what I would if they you know if we if we sat down to talk about it, the message that I would have is that um, don't don't settle or you know don't get comfortable just because you think it's what you should do because it's more it's going to take more work to get out of a situation that maybe isn't the best for you or maybe isn't the happiest place for you. If there's something that you want out of life and you want to go create that life, whether it's a partner that you're with or whether that's a job you're in or whether that's your dream that you want to go for, you need to, you need to put forth the effort. And if it feels right, you need to make that decision and go for it. And I think a lot of people stay in relationships that they're miserable in and no relationship is going to be perfect. You're going to have challenges and fights and that's just the normal, right? But if you love each other and you share the same values and you share the same vision on life, you can move forward a lot of times. We, we just didn't and see the same vision of life. And so for me, I felt for, for a long time. I just had to stay, stay with the person and we had kids. I mean, there wasn't an option. I wanted to be a yeah, good dad man. and stuff. And so I just didn't really think about it. thought the same thing about my job. Well, I'd love to start a business, but I don't know nothing about starting businesses. So how well, you do I what you think you're supposed to do. I mean, yeah, you know, exactly. you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's the societal thing of, you know, and especially in the time that my parents, you know, raised us is like, yeah, you stay together for the kids, you know, that's yeah. right. That's what you're supposed to do. You've got these, right. you got these kids together and you stay together for them. Or it's like, well, man, you've got a good job and good jobs are hard to find. And you really just, you know, why do you want to go do that? And, and Alex, you're so beautifully just, just really hitting in. And I think there are some people that are listening going, I'm kind of facing those same things now. And, and so again, I know you've taken me through a, a, a couple of big obstacles. I think this is the right time for you to really encourage some folks today, because I can just, I can sense that there are some people that are listening to this going, man, Alex, I've had that dream of starting my own business, but then the pandemic hit. And you talked about earlier in our conversation, the mist of chaos. And then like, man, Alex, I've gone through some of those personal things like you have, or I'm going through it right now. So share with this audience, your biggest piece of intentional encouragement around those things. Yeah. Step one is getting ultra clear on what you want your life to look like. You know, no matter where you're at now, what do you want that journey to look like? And, and you're going to have to make trade-offs along the way. It's not going to, the blueprint you want isn't going to exactly how it turns out. That's okay. But think about the vision for your life. That means your work, your business, your relationships, who you're with, how you treat yourself, self-love, all that type of stuff, your physical condition, whatever it, like, it's all that stuff, right? What do you want your life to look like? And then step two is thinking, okay, what do I need to do? Who do I need to become as a person? Not change, you know, myself, but how do I need to evolve and become a better version of me in order to start going after that and actually making that vision a reality? And then step three is you got to go out there and you got to put in the work and it's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough. You're going to have to make sacrifices. You're going to go through rough times, but guess what's on the other side of those rough times? Some of the best times of your life. And I thought when we moved out, I had to move out of a condo into a one bedroom apartment with two daughters. We share a bedroom. And I thought I was embarrassed. And I thought, this is, oh God, what, what's going on here? I'm moving on this condo in a small apartment. I'm like my kids. And you know, we've had some of the best times, you know, in this apartment, you know, yeah. a little trundle bed and stuff. They sleep right by me. You know, like those are some of the best times, man. I even think about my business now. I'm having a great time and it's, it's fun, but it's also challenging. It's grown more than it ever has. 
But I look back and I'm like, man, those times when I was just starting the business and I thought it was so hard, I thought I was just wanted to be here where I'm at now. I didn't really want to be there. I just, yeah. the, it was the journey, man. It was like, I had so much fun leaving my full-time job and going for the dream. Like I was on a high for that, you know, like, like, so I think you got to really enjoy the, learn to enjoy that process, you know, find the small things, the small joys in life that you'll look back on. Even if you think, man, it's a tough time right now, find those little moments that you can really hold on to because you'll look back one day and be thankful for them. Man, this has been such great conversation. What what a what a great way to end this conversation because you were just given uh, folks you this is going to be a one you're going to want to rewind at least the last 3 or 4 minutes that he was talking that Alex was talking. You're just going to want to rewind that and just listen to that again and again. Such great great encouragement. Alex, tell people where they can find you and connect with your content. Uh, LinkedIn's a great place to find me. Um, Alex B. Sheridan, uh, my email address, a, uh, a Sheridan at impacts.com, or you can visit impacts.com, my website. I-M-P-A-C-T-S or M- I-M-P-A-X-S. It's spelled a little differently. There you go. So you got to help the West Virginian here, man. <laughs> well, it's a crazy spelling, so no one would have got that. <laughs> Grammar, Grammar's tough for us, I'm telling oh, you. Oh, it's, it's really tough for me, dude. I'm with you on that. <laughs> Alex Sheridan has been my guest. Go find him on LinkedIn at Alex B. Sheridan, 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 forgive me, Sheridan, or go to A. Sheridan, A-S-H-E-R-I-D-A-N at impacts, I-M-P-A-X-S dot com. Alex, man, what a great conversation we've had today. Thank you for joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.